0: Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com.
1: In some of my songs I have casually mentioned The fact that I like to drink beer This little song is more to the point Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears, I like beer It makes me a jolly good fellow, I like beer It helps me unwind and sometimes it makes me feel mellow
0: Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's November 29th, 2011. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43, joined tonight by the room full of hosts. we got Dave Rodder from Blind Tiger, Garrett Oliver from Brooklyn Brewery, and Seth from Beer Nation. How are you guys? Excellent. We are good. Yeah. This is an awesome group of beer guys. Um, we're sponsored by GreatBrewers.com. Check out Beer Cloud if you want to learn more about beer. GreatBrewers.com brings the American beer community together. And also supported by the people at the Good Beer Seal, an association of 34 New York City beer bars. GoodBeerSeal.com. So look at the, the people in this room. we got Dave Broderick, Blind Tiger, Garrett Oliver, Brooklyn Brewery, and
2: Seth. You already, you already forgot <laughs> Seth. Good we, Lord. We, right from beer we, have, we have a quorum. Great things shall be decided today. <laughs> Well, here we are. Thanksgiving's over, you know. Uh, you know what I've decided? Uh, what? Uh, 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 no, no tax cuts for the wealthy. That, you know, that that's what we've decided today. That we, we're only getting started.
3: That's an important decision.
2: <laughs> beer for the people, no tax cuts for the wealthy.
3: I like it. That's that's a slogan. I think you can run for something on that. Does
2: anyone? Somebody a, has to
0: occupy beers. Anyone using that? <laughs> <Occupy>. <laughs> I'm sure there are many
2: people occupying. I, beer. I well, saw this, about that.
3: this morning on my. I was leaving uh, Vermont from From Dartmouth College on the bus, and I looked out, and there was occupied Dartmouth was one little plastic tent, and nobody in it. (laughs) And it was on fire. (laughs) Nobody home, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it was very sad.
0: Oh yeah. So, Garrett, you're back. I'm back. You've been on the book tour of a lifetime.
2: Yeah it's been uh, it's been pretty crazy. You know, uh, started off September 27th, uh, judging Great American Beer Festival for my 20th year, and then uh, you know Denver boulder san francisco minneapolis seattle chicago cleveland uh, a bunch of places in florida then in the uk i was over in uh london burton oxford manchester and leeds and now i'm back yeah. and there were a few other places in between but it's been uh it's been great the book's gone through four printings already in nine weeks and uh, they're sold out again, and uh, we're we're printing again.
0: Well, before we talk too much about the book, because there's a couple chapters I want to ask you about. I want to talk about this beer that we're drinking. It's the AMA. What's the full this name? It's called
2: it? AMA Bionda, and this is a uh, this is kind of a brand new thing for us because you know we were the first brewery in the United States to do collaborations. You know, by a pretty long way. You know, and for a long time it was actually kind of our our calling card. It was a thing that was uh, particularly Brooklyn. And then it became something which uh, which everybody did, which is great, but we stopped kind of doing that a few years ago. But as we were doing that, we started to do some quiet things over in Italy uh, where we have a lot of connections. I used to work with Slow Food over there. Um, I go on vacation uh, uh, for a couple of weeks every year in Italy, and we got to know the people from the Amarcord Brewery, which is about an hour out of Rimini off the uh, east coast of Italy, a couple hours south of Venice. Um, They're up in the mountains, you know, out uh, uh, in the market, actually. And so uh, we got to know these guys. We did a couple of special projects with them. And to make a long story short, we came up with the idea of creating uh, a whole range of beers that are aimed specifically at regional Italian cuisine. And so uh, there are actually three. Um, uh, Bionda is the first of them. There's also Bruna and Mora, which are actually available now in Italy um but we're starting off here just with ama bionda which could be considered kind of almost like a light saison um it has a large inclusion of sicilian uh wildflower honey um and it's about 5.8 percent, but has a lot of flavor Refermentation in the bottle and very dry but soft but a lot going on yeah, a,
0: a few weeks ago we, we started getting it um from Brooklyn, and I described it as, I didn't quite know how to describe it, but to me it was positive, and I said, Italian-style aromatic beer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like it, and the great thing about that is it, it sounds so much better in Italian, birra aromatico, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. di Apecchio. So yeah, we brew it over there in, uh, in Apecchio, Italy, and so our, our friends are actually, it's my recipes and procedures, but then our friends are exporting it to us. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun and, you know, we're kind of getting the beer out there right now, but it, you know, we, we've never done anything. And even this time we haven't done anything where we did a focus group or we thought about, but we never thought about what the market for a beer would be. We just make the beers and we put them out there. In this case, the beers are actually designed around the food. So we're thinking about okay, uh, we're starting off a meal. You have antipasti. You have you might have some salad. You might have uh, uh, you might have some cream-based pastas at the beginning of the meal. You might have uh, 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 delicate fish, uh, things like that. And this would be you know the beer that uh, is aperitif, goes across the board through pizzas and whatever else, and is uh, the broadest based of them. You know, and then from there they get into some other flavors.
0: Dave, you've been thinking more along those lines too, haven't you? About food and beer pairing. Yeah,
3: exactly. Um, and and trying to figure out what goes with what. And and um, obviously, I I often refer to uh, Garrett's book, Brewmaster's Table, his his book before this last one. And um, and I'm actually kind of wondering. Um, you mentioned the, the, the next two. What kind of dishes were you going to be pairing those with?
2: Well, uh, you know, the Bruna is basically a, a beer which is more or less a pattern after an old-school Belgian double. Um, you know, and, and, and to be honest, it's the one that has the least sort of Italian uh, basis to it because I was really thinking about the sets of foods. Not, okay, can we get something Italian, you know, uh, uh, in there. So this is all about that caramelized flavor from, you know, the candy, sugar, syrup, uh, uh, et cetera, and really grabbing on to the flavors of fried, grilled, roasted, uh, uh, browned in any way, shape, or form, you know, whatever. So if this is sort of the beginning of the meal with a Bionda, if you're moving on to, say, meat dishes or even grilled vegetables and fish, et cetera, the, the Bruna would be the one for that. And then finally, the Mora, uh, uh, which is a, uh, a strong porter at 9% uh, with a, a large infusion of, uh, uh, of espresso coffee from the Pascucci uh, uh, um, roasters who are only a few kilometers away from uh, the brewery in Apecchio. So we spent a full day there uh, uh, with the guys going over the roasting and, and doing blends and whatever else. And uh, it was it, it was pretty cool. You know, I learned uh, learned a lot about coffee. We actually applied the techniques that we learned doing uh, our intensified coffee stout uh, here with Stumtown Coffee Roasters with their Finca El herto and use that uh, same technique uh, using the espresso coffee uh, over there and infusing that into this beer. And that's more desserts. And, uh, and after dinner, and of course, Cuban cigars. <laughs> so,
3: so would you describe the, the Italian beer scene as sort of um, like softer, more food-friendly, Belgian-style ales? I mean, that seems to be, I mean, that's what I've been sort of getting from there.
2: Well, they're certainly thinking about their food traditions as they get into beer. Uh, when I judge Pianeta Biera, which is like their version of, it's like a great Italian beer festival uh, a couple of years ago, it was interesting to see they had a chestnut beer category. Uh, there were 22 chestnut beers because chestnuts, we don't think of chestnuts here as Italian. But to Italians, chestnuts are really Italian, especially uh, uh, in certain regions where they, they make chestnut flour, chestnut honey, chestnut pasta, chestnut all, everything. So they are really taking their wine traditions and their food traditions and translating them into, uh, into the beer. And they have, I think, in many ways, the most exci- one of the most exciting beer cultures in the world, 350 breweries. Um, now there are some great ones and some that aren't so great because, you know, the Italians, well, a lot is about la bella figura. Uh, You want to look good and you want to be fast, you know, and you want to be sleek. Uh, Uh, you might not live, but you will look good while you're doing it. Uh, and so, you know, the uh, a lot of the Italian breweries remind me of that uh, story I saw on some program about the Italian battleship. It was white, and it was the most beautiful battleship, the fastest battleship of World War II. Unfortunately, it was fast the because it had no one. armor. <laughs> the easiest one to and, see. You know, it was easy know. to see.
0: Uh, so, as you open it up, the other day in uh, the post, near the post <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a story by uh, the – who's the um, – Prime Minister of, of uh, Italy who's stepping down. Well, it was Berlusconi. It, it, it Berlusconi stepping down. His, his his mistress wrote a little. Uh, his previous mistress wrote. She said, "After you've after you've been in bed with the Prime Minister of Italy, there's nothing. You know, there's nothing."
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> are you so sure? He, that, are, you are sure
3: we, he we didn't, didn't write that? that alone,
0: cause, uh, <laughs>
2: Uh, But but it it reminds me of that only because uh, a lot of the Italian brewers want to they want to do a a beer with 15 ingredients before they even learn to make pilsner or pale ale. But that's what makes the scene really exciting. And as they get better at it. They're going to be the most creative guys in the world because they're just on fire.
3: Yeah, they're you know, not afraid.
2: Do, they're not afraid of anything. Yep. You know, including failure. So. Right, exactly. I'm going like, to like,
0: bring in Seth there because Seth, I, I I always stumble over your last name because I, I know quite a few Seths in the world, and you're Seth Wright. Yes. But I, I was thinking he's the, just, right he, you're the right Seth. You're Beer <laughs> Nation TV. That's I think of you as Beer Nation TV. Yeah. Beer and, Nation
5: show. Well, I was just thinking about the Italians and... like how long is this three I mean three hundred fifty breweries seems like a lot, but I mean they have a culture of alcohol for psh, way back. oh is yeah. this like a new thing, or are we just sort of like I know that's coming out here in America. Is that like a really a new thing or it's pretty new it's yeah. pretty
2: new last you know the last ten years. One thing I find interesting, and this is only my own theory, but I have a feeling that one of the reasons why craft beer is so big in Italy is because what you find is that Italian younger people have nowhere to go. You know there is not an italian drinking culture there are not bars when you there are there are cafes more or less there are places where you could drink but there's not you don't walk into the place and see that it's all like 20 somethings so when you go out and you're in a not in that big a town the place that you go out your parents will also be there and your grandparents will be there too and so you never ever get away from your family and craft beer, in a way, provides people a craft beer bar, a place like beer and food, for example, in Rome uh, you know or they have a cool place across the street from there. You go and you're gonna see you know basically you and your friends and and the people that you know you you want to be hanging out with, not your parents and I think in a way for them beer is rock and roll.
0: Have you been to a, a place in Rome called Johnny's Off license?
2: Uh, yes, actually, I have.
0: <laughs> he, he's an interesting guy. He's one of the he, I met him here a few years ago. he He, he makes a, a point of uh, coming to the states and really learning a lot about American craft beer.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, the United States is kind of the, uh, you know, the beacon in the world now for, you know, for people who are looking to do stuff that's interesting. I mean, we even have uh, groups of uh, of Germans coming over, kind of learning, you know, well, you know, what is this mocho you have been talking about? We don't know about it. <laughs> but uh, they have, uh, you know, obviously such a great beer culture in, in Europe and in many ways. I think that... Uh, in the United States, sometimes we appreciate it more than. But at, at uh, they this, do at Johnny's
0: home. off license. I, I mean, I, I've met him. He's an Irish guy who who owns a, a beer and wine store in Rome, and he knows. all... You know, we, we're, we in the States, there's certain specialty imports we know, certain Belgian and German beers. He knows all those. He knows the Sheldon Brother beers, the B United beers, all the real limited small beers. But then he knows all of the American, great American craft beers from every region. And this guy, I mean, he must know more than, than any of us in this room.
2: You have a few guys like that out there. Casio, Especially the Europeans. Are, yeah, Casio Piccolo that, right? from Sao Paulo and, you know, right. uh, uh, in Brazil. Uh, uh, uh you've got uh, Steve Huxley who runs a a a in uh, um, in Barcelona, Spain. you know you have these guys who are you know, who are well I mean uh, uh, Casio is Brazilian um, but uh, often from other countries who set who set up shop sometimes fifteen 20 years ago and they've been all alone you know for a long long time you know and th- just now things are starting to pop
3: That makes me wonder you know you hear about how tough it is to start a business in Italy. Especially yeah. for the young, um, and so what have you? I mean, you've got 350 new breweries. That's 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 a lot in a, in a country that supposedly it's it's like tons of red tape. And you think with alcohol, there would be plenty. Yeah. So how are they doing it? I mean, how are they? Uh, that seems like it's got to be one of the fastest, if only, growing industries in Italy right now. <laughs> it, it,
2: it's uh, it's true. You know, I hadn't thought about uh, uh, you know the difficulty and and the Italian red tape is quite famous. You know, but I think that it is one thing that drives people to uh, to do it as well—not just the passion of doing it, but also the fact that you know you don't know anybody else who's who's doing it except for maybe a few of your friends. You can get away from everything, everybody, every tradition, uh, and run and be your own man. Uh, and I think that uh, in Italy, that means almost more than we can imagine.
5: You know, because it's very hard to be your own person there. Right. Is there, like, a homebrew scene there? Because that's usually, like, where people, like, have these hobbies and they really want to go out and do that. And that's where the explosion happens, like, in the 80s and the 90s. It was, like, everyone was doing their own and people loved it. And they were like, dude, you should open your own brewery, man. And that doesn't really work for restaurants all the time. But, you know, if you brew good beer, you could, you know, have a good shot 20 years ago to open it up. Well, in Italy, the runway is really short, <laughs>
2: you know. So yeah. you
5: know, you get that thing up to forty miles an hour and you take off. They
2: brew, you know, they're, they they're brew like, one batch. Of yeah, like, okay, exactly. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> okay.
5: Well, okay.
2: <laughs> no, it's definitely true. But uh, you know, I, I have to say it's a it's a beautiful thing to watch. And right right now at the brewery, we got uh, a friend of ours with us, a guy named uh, uh, Emanuele Onetto. He and his family have a, a Tremendous restaurant up in the mountains near, uh, in Rapallo, right near Portofino. Um, great place that I found maybe 10 years ago through Slow Food. And he and his family just have the most beautiful, tremendous place. And he came over here yesterday saying, I want to learn about what you guys are doing here with beer because I am I want to be a brewer. So he's going to spend a week with us and then he's going to spend uh, a week in the kitchen at Maialino, uh with uh, Chef Nick Onderer. Uh, uh You know kind of learning his way around an American Italian kitchen or a Roman New York kitchen or whatever you want to think of it. And go back and bring some of these things back, and I I, I hope one of these days you're going to see him open up uh, the first brew pub, you know, on the Green so. Coast.
0: Hey, let's let's do a start a little chant before we take our break. Let's everyone go, Amma, bionda,
2: Amma. This
0: is a soccer
2: Beyond- thing. bionda. <laughs> 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 we'll be
0: back in a few minutes on Beer
2: Sessions. Oh <laughs> my
4: baby jumped up this morning and sat on the side of the bed. He said, I'm leaving you, baby, and this is just what I said. I said, I can't make you stay if you want to go, but it's high time, baby, that you should know. Me a man Women cry when a leave them dry slow. But I found out something long time ago.
0: Alright, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. What's our chant, guys? a um, Beyond uh, Beyonda. <laughs> beyond-a. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Beyond that new beer from Brooklyn Brewery that we're digging right now. It's a-
3: right.
2: It's actually from Air Brewery. Uh, uh, but uh but I helped. <laughs> so, I'm a cord brewery in Italy
0: Alright, we're here with uh, Dave Broderick from Blind Tiger Seth Wright from Beer Nation TV Show And Garrett Oliver from Brooklyn um, We're going to have our call in from uh, Anchorage, Alaska uh, Gabe Fletcher from Anchorage Brewing Are you on the line, Gabe?
4: Yeah, I'm here, hi guys How are you, man? Hey, Gabe Doing great <laughs> How you,
0: you You found the surefire way to get to New York City You, uh, you have the hardest to get beer ever <laughs> In fact, we couldn't wow. even get a sample. We had to go to New Beer, which is a great little beer store in Manhattan on Christie Street. New Beer Distributor. He uh, gave us a couple bottles for the show. Um, oh, cool. What would you end up with? Uh, he only had uh, the white-out wit beer.
3: But I, I have to say, oh. I, I saw the uh, the Bitter Monk up in Vermont, of all places, in Montpelier. So. Uh,
4: <laughs> yeah, that's actually where I'm from. So. Oh, really? Yeah, all my family. They live up in Burlington area and stuff like that. So... Um, and actually, Sean uh, from the Hill Farmstead is uh, the one that's distributing it for me there. From
6: the yeah,
3: brothers, that's funny because I, I was with Sean on Friday, and and he said that um, you guys had talked, and maybe he was going to fly out at some point and do it. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about maybe doing that this summer, so there, there
4: could be a little little collaboration in the works there.
3: Hey,
0: Gabe, how did you get started in brewing? Uh
4: well, when I was twenty-one. Uh, you know, I, I've always been into, like, you know, ever since I got out of high school or whatever, I was into drinking, you know, different stuff and trying different beers and stuff, and then uh, as soon as I turned 21, got into it more, and I started working at this little winery place up here for just a few months, and then I got a call from Midnight Sun, and they had just kind of started, and they were looking for help, so... um you know, I didn't even ask for the job or apply for anything, and, you know, that day I was on the bottling line there, and then within a year and a half, I was head brewer there, and then just kind of took the brand to kind of where it's at now, and and so I was there for 13 years before I left. To start this.
0: Dave, have you had Midnight Sun beers?
3: Oh, yeah, quite, quite a few this, times. This is
0: my first beer from
2: Alaska.
3: Yeah, and this is actually my cuz I I haven't I haven't cracked I did buy the bitter monk. I haven't cracked it yet though. So I'm looking forward to that when I get home.
2: I actually have a pretty good uh uh, uh I have a Midnight Sun story. You know, so this is maybe 6 7 years ago. Could be as long as 8 yeah. years ago. And I'm I'm judging uh, Great American Beer Festival. And uh-huh. we had a category and I believe it was a new category at the time and, you know, I'm trying to remember whether it was called experimental. I believe that it was. Um and it, there was a beer there that was uh flavored with among other things lemongrass and mint um and uh the the judges around the table were kind of up in arms like this is this is very strange you know how you know how dare they put lemongrass and mint you know into the beer, but it had such a beautiful balance to it, it all worked together etcetera and I, and I actually you know I made an argument you know at the tables like well you guys asked for experimental daring use of uh, spices ingredients whatever else well here it is and you're telling me you can't handle it and it ended up winning a gold medal and I found out of course only later what it was and it was uh, mountain sun who always you know had kind of pushed the envelope uh in a way that was uh you know, that was always interesting. And, uh, you know, as I say in Spinal Tap, you know, it's, it's a fine line between clever and stupid. And, and, and only, Mountain sun, sun was always on the right side.
4: Story, you're talking about a different brewery. <laughs> it
2: was like, no, I was like, was, was, it, was it Mountain Sun? No, no it was midnight. Alaska. Midnight. Yeah, Midnight, midnight
6: yeah, Sun. It, you're talking
2: about mountain. Um, mountain, mountain Sun. Is it also a Mountain Sun? Mountain Sun is in, in Colorado. Oh, that's yeah, good. No, <laughs> I, I, I think maybe it was Midnight Sun. Maybe I'm wrong. See,
0: Gabe, uh, n- now you're a real New Yorker because you know we talk like this all the time.
3: Yeah, <laughs> and, you, and
0: you just have to like butt in. So you're here. You're you're up in you're here in Alaska, bro. <laughs>
3: um, I've never been
0: to Alaska. You know, I it's spent fine. three time. summers
3: working in canneries uh-huh. in Alaska. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. I, really. I, I spent like a year in Alaska, in, uh, wow, in Kenai. So and how did you awesome. how did
0: you end up going from you know working at Midnight Sun? You have your own your own brewery. Are you are you the brewer or are you the owner?
3: I'm the
4: owner. Of I I do everything myself. Anyway. So washer. how many guys? How yeah, many he's, guys he's work with you? Let's
0: give us the picture of where. You, what town are you in? Anchorage. I'm in Anchorage. You're in Anchorage. How many people work for you?
4: Uh, zero. I don't have any.
0: Just you. And how big is your brew system?
4: Uh, well, I actually uh, I, I I work in the same building as another brewery, and they have like this four-story concrete building, and so I kind of. I wanted to start a brewery, but I didn't have, you know, a bunch of money. I had enough to, you know, kind of get it started. But um, uh, the Sleeping Lady Brewery is another brewery here in town, and uh, they have this giant build- building that's really underutilized, and uh, they had all these rooms in the downstairs below the brewery that they had there already that w- was just empty, and it was just kind of a throw-all place. And, and I talked to Gary Clough, he's the owner, and I said, Hey, You know, what do you think about me starting to brew down here and, you know, I'll pay rent and and rent the the brew house from you and then pump the the product downstairs. So he said, yeah. And so basically I I work on a, I get about 13 barrels per batch out of the brew system. It's a JV Northwest system. And I basically, uh, you know, pipe some stainless down through the floor and, I, do, I ferment everything in wood here, so I have two big 60-barrel oak fooders um, that are temperature controlled, so I do all my primary fermentation in there, and then from there, the beer goes into oak barrels, and that's when the pretanomyces is added, and then it stays there for another six months to a year, and then it's blended back into the wood uh, fooders, and then I, I add a wine yeast to bottle condition, and then and then it's bottle conditioned. So the beer actually never touches stainless until it hits the bottling line.
2: So where do you get the fooders from?
4: Uh, They came from a a winery called Harlan Estate in uh, Napa. And uh, they're only four years old, and I actually got a a really good deal on them. I got them for like six grand a piece, and I was like, wow, this is awesome. And they're only four years old. So Uh, the only catch was, they're bigger than the door, so I actually had to disassemble the fooders and then reassemble them in the brewery. Which their cooper said I was crazy, but I ended up pulling it off. So there's zero leaks coming out of them, which is nice.
2: <laughs> there's a pun there somewhere. I just can't find it. So
3: there's a what? A pun? A pun? Well, so just
2: <laughs>
4: give it a shot. That,
3: <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm, so what you're doing? If I'm you not-
0: can't take apart your footer, you can't make beer. What's? The- <laughs> I
2: oh. have no idea yet.
3: <laughs> The end of the program we've been drinking a lot anyway so uh the what you're doing that everything on wood and the, and the way you're doing it that's like a really time-consuming uh that's a tough way to go when you're first starting out i mean w- like what made you want to do it everything on wood the way that you're doing it
4: well um i mean i, I started experimenting a lot with it midnight sun for for years and you know that was always my my favorite kind of beer to brew and so, I kind of had this idea of of really cutting down on the overhead and streamlining it and uh, only bo- basically bottling everything and buying a, a really nice bottling line that corks and cages and it does everything for you. So, I, I spent more money on equipment instead of uh, manpower. I have, a, I have a few friends that come in and help me bottle when I do, but I only bottle like six times a year. So, but I do like. Nine hundred to thirteen hundred cases per run.
2: Now you gotten then, to the uh, point where this is your main, you know, your your main occupation, or you know, are are you trending into it as uh, as, as your main thing? No, this, uh, I do it one hundred percent. There's one hundred percent. Well, I'll tell you. I mean, e- even if I had a total fail, you know, which I might have uh, on the uh, on, on whether or not uh, uh, that beer that I remember in the past uh, was yours. Um, it reminds me a lot of it for you know its subtlety and the way all of the uh, elements of it are joined together. A little twinge of acidity, but not too much. A little bit of Brett funk, but not too much. Um, you know, a really nice uh, light weediness and an almost daring lack of hop character. Uh, uh, you know, just very much in the background and uh, just enough to hold the whole thing together. I think it's gorgeous.
3: And this is done in Chardonnay barrel. The, uh, uh, we're drinking the whiteout, out, right? yeah, whiteout.
2: Yeah, yeah, Chardonnay barrel, yeah. French oak. It's really nice. Uh, do you, are you adding any lactobacillus? You know, to give you the acidity, or do you think that's coming from the Brett, or do you think it's coming from whatever is resident in the barrel?
4: No, all, all the acidity comes from the Brett right now. I do have some uh, some other beers that I'm brewing that are mixed culture, and they have lacto and pedo, and you know all that kind of stuff. And then I also have some beers that um, that I fermented uh, basically like five hours north from here. I took some barrels and I put them in my back of my truck, and I cut these big openings in the tops of them, and then I made some lids for them. And then uh, I, drew, I, I brought a beer, transferred the wort into those, and then I took it up into uh, this place called Solana, Alaska, and
2: I mentioned the in the deep <laughs> interior. Solana. Uh, we
4: spent a weekend there, and uh, I left the dude... Uh, open for two days, and then uh, and then we traveled back, and uh, it fermented out fully. So. <laughs> it's
2: like Selena because Anchorage isn't far enough north. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, well wait, I, I've done a wild beer here before as well. So I, my my family's uh, land, uh, actually my wife's family's land is is way up there. So we just decided to go up there and and, and do it and, and try and see what different kinds of yeast you can get in different areas around Alaska. Now, right. and That's something I'm going to continue to do as well.
2: well. This time of year, how many hours a day is it dark?
4: It's <laughs> uh, probably easier to do the light side. <laughs> <laughs> we, we probably have maybe eight hours of light or something like that. But as it gets darker, we'll go all the way down to you know, five hours. But the more north you get, like if you go way up north in Alaska, it's basically nothing. It's dark all the See,
0: time. Gareth's thinking the same as me. We're trying to find out, you know, what what's unique about your place.
4: Yeah, no. I'm, we're I'm, we're I'm, in
0: New York City right now. It's uh, the Tuesday night. It's 5.30. What time is it there?
4: 1.30. Uh,
0: so one thirty in the afternoon. So it's like the same as uh, Seattle, right?
4: No, one hour less. Uh, no,
0: one hour different. One hour one hour farther. 2.30 yeah. there.
2: Yeah. You know, is there anything that you think that uh you know, in any way and, and the answer might be, well, actually no. Uh but is there anything that typifies uh Alaskan brewing? You know, the same way that uh you might refer to a West Coast style of IP or, or whatever else? Is there anything that tends to tie uh, uh Alaskan beers together?
4: I, w- I would say not because none of the breweries up here are anything like the other breweries. Everyone's different, so um I, I would say not. Um, there's definitely, you know, everyone up here has, you know, an adventurous side to how they brew their beers. But, you know, there's also breweries up here that, that don't, you know, push the envelope or anything, you know, they make mainstream beers, which is great too, as long as you do them good. And, um, so I, I would say not.
0: So, um, the other big question for you is, you know, you're distributed here in New York by, uh, Dan Shelton, the Shelton Brothers. Which to yep. me, every time I, I see a Shelton Brother beer, it means it 's quirky it's it's handmade or very naturally made, and Dan has a really you know
2: and there are three bottles <laughs> right yeah you can't so, get it
0: how How did you meet dan and, and how did you end up becoming distributed by him because yeah we we, wow. we we called around today and, and literally one store I know had f- had four bottles, and no one else has samples and uh, you know, it's great to be in demand, but you know how did you meet Dan?
4: Well, uh, Dan actually came up here for the barley wine festival. Um, he, he actually ships quite a bit of his specialty beers up here from his portfolio to specialty imports. And then uh, I, I met him at the barley wine festival and he gave me a bottle, a bottle of the Oro de Calabaza. and I'm a big jelly pumpkin fan so um, that's basically how I met him. Uh, I didn't talk to him much you know during that whole time, but you know this was probably three years or three years before I started and then um, basically when I decided to start this business plan um, they were they were kind of part of it because I needed someone who could take the, all of my beer and deal with all the distributors and deal with getting it across the country. I didn't want one state to just have everything um, I didn't want to overload one place with the product so um, they basically just take the whole batch, and then
2: run with it. Well, I have two questions. One, have you yet had a 3 a.m. argument with uh, uh, Mr. Shelton? And the second question, you will if you have not. Uh, uh, it's one of my favorite pastimes. Uh, but the second question is, does uh, does Dan actually kind of import uh, uh, other American breweries? It's interesting. To, I think of Dan more as an importer you know, than as a distributor. Um, but in a way, he's importing beer from Alaska.
4: Um, wait a minute! D- did I say Dan?
2: Well, we're talking about Shelton Brothers, yes.
4: I'm sorry, I can't have a double <laughs> fail
2: here. Now, I've already had one. Will? I'm feeling Dang a little it. bit, a little bit uh, on edge.
4: I actually have not met Dan before.
2: Oh, yeah, if it's Will, you're not going to have an argument with Will. Will you know, yeah. well, who, who, who was you work it? With? Which
3: one was it? What's that? Was it Dan or Will? Well, who do you work with from Shelton Brothers?
4: I haven't met any of the Sheldon Brothers before. I've
2: only met Matt (laughs) Dingus. Oh, it's Matt. Okay. Matt, okay. Well, you're never Uh going to have an argument with uh, Matt. So who's Matt? (laughs) Tell us about Matt. No,
3: Matt's a great guy. He's easy. (laughs) Does he work for Sheldon Brothers, too? Yeah, he kind of runs the the headquarters and everything now. So you're saying
0: he's the guy. We're putting you on the spot, um, Gabe, but it's neat because there's you and there's um, Jolly Pumpkin, and, yeah, uh, somewhere. you know, they're sold through Shelton Brothers. And, and, you know, Garrett's right. I mean, it's almost like you're being imported right. and distributed by them. And that's kind of cool. I mean, you got, you're got you making really interesting, unique beer. You might as well be making beer from Italy yeah. <laughs> or, or Belgium yeah, right well, now. I
4: mean, as far as we are away, you know, basically it is imported.
2: <laughs> he can see Russia from his porch.
3: Oh that yeah, right. was unfair. <laughs> so it, So Gabe, how's
4: uh, just in this building the
3: <laughs> how's, how's Gabe, how's the uh the bar scene up there? You know, the, the, the beer scene going on. I, I I've been to well uh not for a while, but I went to Chilcoat Charlie's and and but there's also <laughs> some I know, yeah, and the Alaskan Bush Company, but we won't talk about that. And then yeah. uh, and then um well, but there's some great there's some great brew pubs up there. I remember, and, and uh, um,
4: we actually have uh, uh, I think we have like 24 breweries up here right now. Wow! Wow! So the, wow. It, yes. I think we might even have the most breweries per capita in the U.S. I know at one point we did have that, that, but maybe not now. But um, as a state, yeah.
2: yeah Colorado's uh, uh, putting together a rating party. You got to be at, careful. And,
4: uh, all the different places where you can get great beer. Yeah, it, it's awesome. We, we got all kinds of great bottle shops and, and great bars to go to to drink, you know, awesome beer. And, and, you know, uh, Shelton Brothers definitely, you know, they, they send a, a lot of their specialty stuff up here, you know, all the Canteons and all the color products and, you know, the list goes on. So we, we get all that kind of stuff up here as well.
2: That's cool, man. I mean, D- Dave, how bitter are you feeling about the fact that they're getting all those beers up there? I know, your yeah. and you're having a hard time.
3: Right? <laughs> yeah, makes me want to go up there. We're, we're having have.
0: a hard time figuring out how to get your beers because um, we, we wish you would send all to here. But we like what we've tried, I and mean, we're drinking the Whip beer right now. And uh, let's just take a short break. Can you stay on the air with us, Gabe? Yeah,
4: no problem.
0: Okay, we'll be back in a few minutes with Gabe from Anchorage on Beer Sessions Radio.
6: now nah, close, nah, nah, close to you, baby, this cold is too close to you, baby, put the high on your head, nah, close to you, baby, you better believe what I said, I want to get close to you, baby. Oh, let me get close to you. I want to get so close to this little girl, Tesshula don't know what to so i do I wanna get a close to you baby Nah, at the side of your eye close to you baby our heels to father close to you baby my eggs to him close to you baby Nah, its nah, oh nah, nah, Sonny's twins I wanna get close Welcome back to
0: Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Thanks for our sponsor, greatbrewers.com. If you haven't checked out Beer Cloud, you should check. Have you ever checked it out, Dave?
3: I have. What is Because you Cloud? keep telling me to, so I do. What is it? What is it? Yeah. I don't remember. Seth, you no, know what Beer Cloud is? It's a large, yeah. fussy cloud. It's so beautiful. I think meant iCloud. I'm sorry. Seth, what is Beer
5: Cloud? It's an app that allows you to check out different beers and what, what it, you know, like if you're at a store and you're just overwhelmed and you can see, you know, like this one, what's it like? And then it'll tell you food pairings and there's different pages on there. And so it's all just a, a phone app sort of when you're, when you're standing there and you maybe feel embarrassed about talking to the guy that's working at the store you can kind of like do it on your own or if you're at a party and you like see something you're like oh what's that let me just crack that and take I'm, it.
3: I'm waiting for the compendium cloud <laughs>
5: the is, that,
2: compendium is that coming card. soon a, a companion cloud yeah okay. just look like cloud right what, there what do you guys
0: have up in, in, in anchorage let's, let's let's okay now we're focused we're here in anchorage alaska um, we've you're at sleep what's it called sleeping lady brewery sleeping uh where
4: yeah it's in the same building is a sleeping lady brewing company yeah. so how, how many
0: more breweries could be in that building because maybe we've got some guys in New York who, who need to move on yeah, we, we can ship you Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's only
4: one brewer up in that, in, in that place too
0: so. so there's room for a couple guys
4: yeah
3: yeah. And yeah. we'll send and Brett, <laughs> Brett up there
4: Yeah,
0: we're right. defi- definitely <laughs> impressed with uh, you know Brett says yes uh, we're definitely impressed with, with with all the work you're doing the hands-on
3: uh, brewer and all that stuff and I'd like to know when, when you can come visit us in New York City
4: Actually, well, I'm not sure when I'm going to be in New York, but I will be in Boston Pretty for the Extreme Beer Fest. Yeah. And, um.
3: Are you going to I run up to Vermont to, to see right family? I don't stuff?
4: travel around much. and It's weird because, you know, I'm up here. I don't get to see, you know, what people's reaction is to my beer. And, you know, it's all over the place. And,. So, I don't, I don't get to well, tell you straight that up. That a lot of the other brewers do. Gabe, so. okay, we Definitely have a, we have a pretty good panel. A little bit
0: more. We have a pretty good panel here. Uh, Dave Broderick owns Blind Tiger. Garrett Oliver, noted brewer and beer expert. Seth Wright from Beer Nation TV. We're going to taste your beer right now, and we're going to tell you what we re- really think of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're drinking the whip here. What do you guys think of it? I,
3: I i really the- li- yeah I really like it i think it's it's a great beer I, I I just like the whole barrel aging you know like wit is not what I associate with uh with wood you know and with with brett or or with chardonnay and but I think it really works it really kind of just they both uh pull together really well i really like it
4: yeah you know kind kind of the way I brew is you know i don't want one thing overcoming another it's all subtle subtleties and um that's another reason why I don't use much American oak either, because it, you know American oak in certain beers, like lighter ones, can be so obtrusive.
2: Well, I, I would posit to you that your beer is not at all extreme; it is in fact subtle.
0: Good mm-hmm. one.
5: And, and good, who, good comment.
0: Do you put the corks the the caps on your corks?
5: He's a caging machine.
0: Do you have a? I'm, uh, yeah, i I'm yeah, I have a caging machine. I'm trying. Because Jimmy's
3: having trouble getting it open. I'm trying to That's
0: take your uh, your cage off your cork.
2: Your yeah. chi- your, your childproof caps are it's, brilliant. It, it, they, it, know, it, know, this could take Jimmy's the whole been show. Entirely, entirely foiled. <laughs> here. It's only six okay. twists. Okay.
3: He, he wouldn't last Let's long see. in Alaska. I could tell you right now.
2: <laughs> exactly. <I> have to <laughs> gnaw his arm off.
3: What are you doing over there? <laughs>
2: I don't
0: know. his yeah, uh,
3: uh, right red. Why don't you give it to one of the pros?
2: Yeah, yeah. Pass it around.
3: <laughs> Garrett will bite it off. Yeah. You have a
0: caging machine that puts the cage on your cat.
2: There's two cages on it. That's why. Oh, there is two. Cages. There are two cages oh, on. it ah, yeah, I oh, my, have a caging machine, so I notice these on things. On yeah. Yeah. We, got, we got
0: a bottle of Simba. We got a
3: double Here. cager. Yeah. Yeah. You have a
2: double cager, so you got really? a bottle of Simba. Where, where is Carol the now. second?
3: Uh, that's pretty cool.
2: Oh, the second. Yeah, you got a twist. Yeah, head. we. Are, where's the second tap?
3: And also, Gabe, I really like your labels too. The uh, who does your drawings for the for that?
4: Um, yeah, there's, there's a guy here in town that, that does them, and then and then we send them down. They get printed in uh, by a company called Trius down in Portland.
3: Yeah, it's very distinctive. Wow. I, I know. So the uh, I like the bitter monk as but well. But the reason ours, I'm, but...
0: I'm giving you a, a little attitude about the, the, your cap um, is
3: because we need wire cutters yeah, over here right, right now. <laughs> <because> <laughs> <they're where> so
2: <laughs> that, that's your New York feedback. But um,
4: did, did you, uh, were there seriously two cages on
2: there? Yeah, there are two cages on this one.
4: Oh, wow. We, 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 I, well, you never you
2: blew it. your chance. <laughs> now we're moving on. have yeah, got the Rogue bottle. <laughs> have you ever had Lost Abbey? How much is it worth now?
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
5: double the price. <laughs>
0: right. Gabe, have you ever tried Lost Abbey beers? Have I had any? Yeah, Seth, tell us about this. Seth brought in a bottle of Lost Abbey.
5: I actually, yeah, I brought in the Serpent Stout from Lost Abbey when I was uh, traveling down in... Um, in uh, San Diego, California, and I know that they're good. And it was one of those things where I was like, yeah, I'm going to bring it back to the city. I'm not going to drink it. I'm going to wait until a good time. And that was like two years ago. And so, <laughs> like, I've never tried it, so this is going to be my first try of it as well. So I'm kind of excited about it. But I know that you know, Los Abbey does some amazing stuff. And and they're connected with Port Brewing and we did go to S- Salona Beach's Port Brewing. And it was, it was, you know, it was awesome to see that they, like, have their own stuff, but then they also have the, you know, the the other, you know, like the the guest taps, which is, like, so cool. It's like, you know, like, we're a brew pub and we do our own thing, but, like, we know everyone else does good stuff, so we're going to have, like, six and six. And then the pizza was good. I was like, <laughs> gee, I mean, come on. I think so, that was,
3: yeah, that was the first place I had plenty of the uh, younger. It was was oh. at a port brewing. I mean, hey guys, a pizza I'm port. On, I'm
5: going to pull off just for one sec. I'll be right back. Okay. Okay.
0: So, Seth, when you travel... Are you also making your TV
5: show? Um, we're definitely filming all the time. I mean, like, I bring my, like, camera wherever I go, and and I film. And so, like, I was telling Dave before, he's like, you know, how are things going? like, I'm like, yeah, you know, he's like, have you been filming recently? I'm like, well, we filmed already a lot. The editing is the hard part. So it's, like, getting the stuff edited and putting it together in, like, a nice form for people is really what is the time consuming part going out there and like you know filming and having an idea takes a couple of hours cuz you know you interview you see the stuff you get all your b-roll and all, it's amazing and then it's like the grind at the computer and i know some but i have editors that help me and so that is that is the struggle of getting the show out but you know the more the more people that like it and the more people that come to me and say like oh i love your show it just motivates me to stay up later and like work harder you know like oh i can get that edited i know i can so you know i've done trips to the northwest and and the nor- and the southwest and so like all up and down california and i have a bunch of footage from seattle and portland and san diego and san francisco um i have not tried the planet the younger but the elder was like just, it was like mind blowing. And like, it was like five years ago that I went to uh, Santa Rosa and I was like, um, the, the wife was having a, a, a mud bath at Calistoga. And <laughs> and I was like, I told my friend, I was like, dude, we got to go over to this place because I heard it's pretty dope. And he's like, all right, what's it called? It's like Russian River. And he's like, all right, we'll check it out. It was like 45 minutes away. And we were just like, floored. We're like, oh my God. And so, you so know. What,
0: what is it about Russian River? I mean, I've had some of the beers myself. There's like a cult following. Is it because it's so hard to get? Kind of like anchorage, where it's so hard to get where you don't really get to taste enough of it I don't, I don't or is th- the beer really that good
2: i don't I don't think it's really that i mean well i mean if uh if one likes the bigger style of i p a if you want to call them double IPAs, et cetera and by the way, that cork will go um, <laughs> uh, 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 I mean Vinny basically invented uh uh that style, yep. and I think that you know what really makes that uh uh that brewery special. You know, is not just the fact that, you know, uh, that Pliny is great, but that, you know, they are also preeminent uh, in sour beers. Yeah,
0: the Shums.
2: Um You know, uh, when you go into the brew pub, you know, there's a room, you know, which is basically the bug room, and it's a bunch of carboys that are bubbling with all kinds of hideous looking uh, uh, things going on. And Vinny knows more about this than probably anybody else in the United States. And, you know, you know, we have a project going on at the brewery right now where we took some fermenting wine from natural fermentations locally. We dosed it into some wort, and we have a completely spontaneous fermentation going, which has no laboratory yeast in it. And now on on the top of it, we formed this horrible-looking crust. I, I take a picture of it on my cell phone, and I send it to Vinny. And I'm like, Vinny. This looks like the dark side of the moon. You know, what's going on here? And he gives me an exposition on, you know, don't worry. This is the way a lot of these wild yeast strains look, you know, when they're forming their pellicles, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, he's out there not just as a brewer, but as a resource, you know. And for the Oxford Companion to Beer, he wrote the piece on sour beers uh, and on oak and, uh, and, and as a former winemaker, Uh, brings to uh, what he's doing that sensibility as well. I mean, so, you know, I think that he's a brewer that just about any brewer uh, in the United States looks up to, and I've seen his empty bottles in the brewing office at Orval, and uh, uh, that that says uh, uh, more than you, uh, than almost anything else ever would.
3: I think he has a lot more fun. He out
4: quite a bit on on this project, actually, and, and he... Uh, actually shared some of uh, his critters with me that I've adopted into my brewery. Um, not not in these bread beers, but in, in the sour beer production side of
5: it. Are you worried at all about getting bringing bugs in? You know, like
4: well, that's all I do is bug. <laughs>
5: yeah, I bugs guess are that's us. True. That's true. <laughs> I guess I
4: don't make anything
5: but you know, Brett beers and sour beers. Got it, got it. So then it makes it easy. Vin, Vinny, by the way, is
2: not allowed into many of the local wineries. I mean, and they're quite serious about it. Well, they they're ha- like, yeah, you know, the wineries hate Brett. Yeah, so, yeah. They, I mean, yeah. they yeah, they like him, but they're like, sorry, dude, you cannot come yeah. in here. Take, take, take
3: off your clothes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, I think I, I think that he now. I mean, I think he's more intrigued by by. Um, the barrel stuff that he's doing, you know, than, than the hoppy stuff. I think oh, the hoppy stuff pays the bills and, and allows him to, to go into his laboratory and do all the crazy stuff that he really wants to do. So, yeah. But to be able to do both uh,
2: uh, really equally well, I think, is uh, you know, a, a certain sign of well-roundedness. And I think that, uh, you know, m- most brewers in some way, shape, or form would say uh, they probably
5: want to be Vinny when they grow up. <laughs> Well, actually, our last episode that I'm working on editing now, uh, we were in Philadelphia, and if anyone knows anything about Russian River, the only place you can get it pretty much, now I think they're in Colorado, but pretty much for a long time it was California only, but you could get it in in Pennsylvania. And it's like, well, what happened there? And so Monk's Cafe, Tom Peters, uh, he says that he told Vinny, like, look, you're going to send it to me. And, and, you know, that was a long time ago when Monk's opened. And so when we did an interview with him, he cracked open our consecration, and it was one of one of the first I had been to Santa Rosa and had some of the hoppy stuff, but hadn't really had a lot of the shuns. And so you know when he cracked that open and their sour, and I was just like, wow, okay, you know he knows what he's doing. But yeah, it was pretty cool. So we added a little Russian River in our, even so though we don't. Philadelphia it, is very lucky.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: So so the sour beers have to be kept separate from the the Brett beers.
2: Well, I think the sour beers, you know, to some extent are the brett beers. But, uh, I mean, brett does not in itself actually produce much in the way of sourness, you know, almost none unless you go 100%. Um, So, you know, most people are using uh, another culture, you know, usually a lactobacillus to give them a, uh, you know, a a sour portion. And one thing I was going to ask Seth is as you go around, people often ask me, what trends do you see, et cetera, et cetera. What what do you see? Do you see uh, uh, sour beers possibly making uh, something similar to what they refer to on the West Coast as the lupulent shift, where a, you have a sour shift? People are willing to jump over to acidity, or do you think that it's going to you know that it seems to be staying kind of in a relatively small, tight uh, area among aficionados?
5: Well, I mean, I'm definitely noticing it more, and I feel like the the heavy hoppy beers that have this intense flavor a couple of years ago. People were kind of like, that's too much for me. But then it's the palate slowly grows to it. And like I had, you know, one of Scavacaro's Couve de Castletons, like one of his first ones. And I was kind of like, whoa, that's like really, you know, like pretty intense. But now it's just like you start to really enjoy it. It's like, you know, a Sour Patch kid. Like, how do they sell those? It's because you taste it and you go, that's so good. You know, like, well, like you make that face, but then it's like, I want more of it. And know, it's like the sour thing. Well, I think. later I, I batches think.
2: are also mellower. You know, yeah. And, uh, true. But, you know. but
3: I, I think, yeah, I, like if people come into the in, into Blind Tiger and Jimmy's Forty Three, and and, and go, will go through the entire sour list. You know, we'll just work their way through it. So, and brewers in particular will come in and and work their way through. The other it, thing so.
0: I will say this as 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 someone who's a you know a pub owner and interacting with the customers, uh, just when you think that that people forget about a style. They come and ask for it. So, you know, people want sours, but they still want really good IPAs. They still want the session beers. And, and of course, they still want, you know, high-gravity Belgians. You know, so you you just have to almost have a really well curated list of beers. These
2: damn customers, they want (laughs) everything. everything. They want want
0: everything. But that's exciting, you know. (laughs) So I I can have, you know, some really good, you know, triples and doubles from from Belgium. I have to have some sour beers. You know, I have to have good IPAs. I have to have, like, a nice unfiltered German lager, you know. And um, that's kind of cool. It's cool that, that people... Are, are but you have so to have unfiltered. a nice
2: Unfiltered German lager What are you carrying <laughs> well, I mean Ar- Besides like Mars Ungespundet. I mean I, what else I, I,
0: Mars Ungespundet <laughs> is, is my style breaker I love that uh, These days I've actually been selling Arco Brow Which Ar- isn't bad People like it Have you had Arco I have not had Arco It's nice It's by Count Arco But it's an, it's a, it's an Count un, Arco Unfiltered lager It's good nice. Shvi- It's a schwickel. Well,
3: uh, it's schwickel
2: By Shvickle.
0: Count Arco Means he, the key Only the owner of the keys Can get this beer
3: only the owner of the keys didn't yeah. go. It sounds like but a But yes, cereal. Mars
0: and pudding is the, is the category
2: breaker, of course.
3: So, well, I like the fact but that... But
0: again, I can never get this. Another Shelton Brothers beer I can
2: never get. Yeah. I, I want to
3: make a beer called Count Arco. <laughs> <laughs> I I like, you can. I like the fact that, uh, Gabe, you're, 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 you've got three style things that are really popular right now. Barrel-aged, sour, and N hops in the Bitter Monk all going on at the same time, which is... I mean that's that's basically uh, the triple threat.
4: Yeah, the whole gamut. Uh, that, uh, yeah, I mean none of these beers, uh, surprisingly, you know, no no test batches or any of that kind of thing. Just kind of went for it and <laughs> kind of hoped for the best. And there's a little bit of pressure there too because you know, Shelton Brothers. They, when I did ask them, you know, before I did anything, they, they committed to basically everything I make. And so I hadn't made any of those beers yet. So and I just had to go for it. You know, with barrel aged beers, you don't know how exactly
2: they're going to taste until they're done. And you know, that's six months to a year later. Do you do a lot of blending?
4: I do. Yeah, for sure. Um, I definitely like to uh, have some balance there. I don't. I don't like. A, in my younger days, I, I liked the sweeter beer, more body, but uh I, I've been leaning more towards into making drier, more quaffable, but really complex beers. Um, uh, I mean, the Bitter Monk is definitely, it's aggressive, 100 IBUs. Um, it has a dryness, but the, 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 there's a little bit of body in there, too, to, to balance it out. And then you get all the shard flavors and the oak, and uh, it's, it's uh, an intense beer for sure.
3: And and Garrett, I mean, I know that you um, I, I actually was lucky enough to try the uh, the wine beer that you made on the wine leaves all the crochet rouge yeah Yeah, that was incredible why, why don't you tell us about that that was amazing well we have a, you know we we've got a whole series of
2: those going on with our our friends at the uh, at the Red Hook Winery uh, Abe Scherner who's probably the premier natural winemaker in the United States and many brewers don't think about this but wine traditionally. Didn't have yeast added, um, and really, yeast adding yeast to wine fermentations has only really become prevalent in the last forty or fifty years. Totally different than beer, where a couple of hundred years ago, three or four hundred years ago at least, uh, uh, you know, some sort of um, uh, uh, house yeast became the prevalent thing, not in winemaking. So uh, the big difference between wine and beer, you know, is that one is sterilized. Beer, where it is sterilized by being boiled, so you know the terroir. Part of the terroir is the flavor of the wild yeast, and you know these guys are doing really natural fermentations. And when they're done, where they're racking off of that yeast and giving it to us, and we are aging beers out on it. Um, the tricky part, though, is that you know these are pretty small amounts of wine, pretty small amounts of lees, and lees is the sediment, including the yeast. Uh, uh, that comes off of these wine fermentations, so you know we're making the coolest stuff that we've ever made. The problem is, how can you make more of it enough that you might actually be able to give somebody some, you know, rather than having only a few hundred cases? Um, so, are you
4: putting that onto the, the the just straight up wort after boil or?
2: Well we 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 have just started doing that, but before what we had done is we had a we have a nine percent beer called local one, which is sort of uh you know, somewhere around a triple Belgian strong golden, aged it in barrels uh for nine months on these lees, and the beer is soured, funkified, and turned into something entirely different and, and not recognizable from the original. And we were like, Wow, we need to get more of this stuff but uh so, uh,
4: you know. so do the now they don't have that problem with the the wines when they finish out well they, they, they know, it's, it's,
2: for them it's not a problem because you know they want you know funky interesting wines the natural wine movement is very strong you know uh uh you know especially in the northeast you know there are places mm-hmm. like the 10 bells in new york city where you will go and drink nothing but naturally fermented everything uh wow. hundred, hundreds of I'm wines great. dozens of ciders You know, beers, everything, no lab yeast in the house. Uh, uh, And, you know, I mean, uh, it's a great thing to have a place that's dedicated to that. And so what we're doing now is taking their wines as they're fermenting, adding them to wort, And we hope that eventually, you know, we're going to get a bunch of barrel fermentations going and eventually do completely spontaneous beers Or, you know, beers that have no laboratory yeast, you know, where uh, we've used the wineries as a a focal point, you know, for the Mm -hmm. yeast of the countryside. So we'll see how it goes.
0: Uh Garrett, I'm I'm hosting an event in a few weeks, uh, Battle of the Belgians, December 17th. And uh, I know that we're getting from Brooklyn Brewery, Cuvée Noir.
2: How do the Belgians feel about the name Battle of the Belgians? Because they've had a lot of battles. <laughs> well, be, because <laughs> last year sure I did Battle the yeah, Belgians. They're a little touchy about it. This is a
0: good one, and I, I really thought I was going to showcase the American breweries making Belgian style beers, or what you know. And at, that's how I actually got to meet uh, Wendy Littlefield from Van Bergen De Wolf. She said, "You know, Don't honey." Battle Wendy. She said, "Honey, listen to me. The Belgian beers are great, and we and we import good beers.
2: You're, you're going to get hurt. So, you battle Wendy. You're going to get hurt.
0: Now we're friends, Van Bergen De Wolf, <laughs> but." Uh, what, what is Cuvée Noir? Uh,
2: Cuvée Noir is actually, uh, well, I mean, it, it doesn't have a style. You know, it was, is a, uh, from last year, it was a draft beer. It was uh, kind of almost like a Belgian idea of a strong stout. Um, you know, I, I wanted to explore the difference between uh, the strong Abbeys that use Belgian candy sugar syrup for their caramelized flavors and then substitute those out for roasted malts, as you would use in German and British beers, but still uh, 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 use that same structure of relatively dry and you, and going with uh, uh you know with the yeast strains that you have there. We've recently aged that uh, that beer in Elijah Craig twelve year old barrels, resulting in a beer called Cuvee Elijah. Uh, which is uh, one of my favorite things we have as a ghost bottle uh, at the brewery, a beer that we don't release, but uh, we will pour a few if you show up in the right place at the right time. You know, We don't make you get online or anything or pay a lot of money. We're like, well, you can have it for free, but if you're not willing to come have a conversation, then you can't have any.
0: Conversation beers. All right. Yeah. Conversation. Uh, this, this is a great one, and I know we're going to have this group back again soon, and including you, Gabe. Uh, we hope to have you on the show again. Uh, Maybe our, in person. Our time is running down. Hey,
4: appreciate it, guys. Hey, this is my first interview, actually. So You're awesome.
2: <laughs> Congratulations.
0: It's good, and and it forces we we tracked down your beer in New York City, and and we drank two bottles tonight. So I like appreciate I like it. to thank our sponsors at GreatBrewers.com who've helped to make. Th- bring this podcast to you tonight Thanks to Good Beer Seal as well Thanks to Garrett, Dave, Seth, and Gabe For joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network I'm Jimmy Carboni, thanks to our producers Jack Inslee, Brie O'Connor, And guest coordinator Brett Thompson We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio Out of the tree of life I'm a, me a, beyond beyond
1: beyond like beer It makes me a jolly good fellow, I like beer. It helps me unwind, and sometimes it makes me feel mellow. Makes it feel
2: mellow. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for
3: listening.